0: The world of genealogy and history expands our ordinary lives and fills our visions with the days of long ago. The opinions and actions of our ancestors speak loudly to us and we all rejoice in that discovery. We share our news with family and friends and by doing this, the past connects to the present and unites us all together. When we expand our research to include religion and church records, a whole new world begins to open up for us. And we begin to primarily focus on the characteristics and the personalities of our ancestors. It's one of the greatest treasures associated with family history. Hi, this is your friend Carol welcoming you to another episode by Piedmont Trails. Today we will journey back to the year of 1752 and the onset of the Wachovia Moravian settlement in present-day Forsyth County, North Carolina. This episode will focus on the land company of the Moravians and I'll include a final summary of the goals, achievements, and failures of a people whose daily lives revolved around their religion. I want to welcome you to episode number 26, The Land Company of the Moravians. And we'll get started right after this break. You can now join Piedmont Trails live. Be sure to watch for us on our YouTube channel, Piedmont Trails, live from the Attic. We air the last Sunday of each month. During our last live stream, we released over 60 surnames of families who lived along the Great Wagon Road. Don't miss the next one coming up on September the 26th at 7.30 p.m. Live from the Attic with Piedmont Trails. We'll see you there. welcome back everyone i want to thank you for joining the show today um i'm gonna this this show is going to be a little bit different from our other previous um episodes i'm going to be speaking on a more open platform with all of you today i have researched the moravians the early moravians for over 30 years now i have a lot of material and data that that date back to their onset of settling into North Carolina. And I've researched this thoroughly. There are a lot of things that may be said during the show that you may have never heard before. Um, And I urge you to research further after you've listened to today's show. I'm sure that there will be a lot of questions that will be left unanswered. I'm going to offer my opinion on a lot of these topics today. Um, I have a lot of ancestors who... Um, I have traced their footsteps through the early settlements of the Moravians in North Carolina. And thanks to the documentation and the materials available through the Moravian archives, a lot of this information has come forward today. But I'm going to start the show off with this statement. It was very, very important for the Moravians to succeed in North Carolina. And I'm hoping that as the show goes forward, you will understand more why it was so important. In order to understand completely why the Moravians chose North Carolina, you would have to understand about the Great Migration that was taking place during that time and all the lands that were available in North Carolina. North Carolina was the least... um, one of the least populated colonies during the 1750s. And with the land becoming uh, available, well, this enticed the Moravians as well. And, and you need to also look into um, other religious organizations, such as the Quakers and the Baptists. There were many who migrated together to form their own small churches, their own small settlements, and so forth. To understand the Moravians, I urge each of you to go into researching the Georgia history of the Moravian settlements and learn of the beginnings and the failures of those settlements. And it will give you a better understanding of how North Carolina came to be in the picture for the Moravians in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. The financial status of the Moravians at the time of 1752, in accordance with um, documents and materials that I've been able to locate, and correspondence with Lord Granville in North Carolina, was said to be nearly bankrupt. Um, and yet, with bankruptcy looming above them, their sites were set on tens of thousands of acres of land. In order to create a new settlement in North Carolina now people can be and are adventurous we all are each and every one of us holds something within us that makes us adventurers, or we, we seek um, things that may seem to be out of our prospect or normal goals but what a risk to take for the Moravians in a land that they were not familiar with right But the Moravians had a plan, and what a plan it was. The people who submitted for these actual land grants never stepped foot in North Carolina. And a lot of people are not aware of this. But the, like for instance, James Hutton never never traveled to North Carolina. He never set his eyes upon the lands that he actually owned in North Carolina he was a british citizen he remained in london and he submitted for these land grants for the wachovia tracks the lands were paid for the surveys were paid for all the paper and documentation has been proven and filed accordingly as the first men arrive in in Bethabera in the fall of 1753 they immediately Began construction. They immediately began preparing the soil. For crops. And in fact they even planted crops. During that time. During that fall of the year. These men were skilled tradesmen. They were specifically chosen. For a specific task. In this new settlement. They weren't volunteers. (laughs) These were chosen. By church leaders. Specifically for a particular task. It is also important to note that even before the first couples, these are married couples, before they even arrived to North Carolina to this brand new settlement made by the Moravians, these men have already planned and petitioned and submitted to the court new roads to be established. Now, make no mistake, it wasn't necessarily of these men who arrived in North Carolina but of the church leaders correspondence back and forth london bethlehem pennsylvania there is a huge triangle and rectangle in some cases of the correspondence which i will get into in a later show these roads that led to their settlement during this period of 1753 there was four altogether four brand new roads petitioned. This is before the settlement even became a settlement. This explains a little bit of the organization and the planning that went into the Moravian settlements. They considered people outside of their circle, people outside of their faith as strangers and designated a separate building a separate cemetery and later a separate store just for these people for the strangers now please don't misunderstand me the moravians welcomed and shared their faith with everyone that they met everyone But they were very careful at the same time not to mix in or blend in with people outside of their community. In other words, they had strict rules and strict morals to follow. By the the time the land grants are all completed and they're done, the Moravians actually own or... James Hutton and others actually owned 98,985 acres of land they had within themselves their own parish Dobbs Parish they had a great amount of influence with Britain and many of their leaders there with all of this combined together they contained a great amount of power would you not say that? Power. That is a huge word. And the Moravians had and held all the power on the Wachovia track. The church was divided between a business aspect and a church aspect. There were leaders for both. This power controlled the land. It controlled family life. It controlled the actual dwelling structure of the home, and it controlled the jobs and tasks of people who lived in the actual settlements themselves. If you were a craftsman, um, say if you were a had a potter shop, a, a shoe shop, um, a clock watch um, clock making shop. The prices of your goods that you manufactured were controlled by the church. The materials that you used for your um, business were also controlled, as well as your employees were controlled by the church. The difference between the Granville Land Grants and issued by the Colony of North Carolina through Lord Granville Um And the brotherly agreements of land grants issued from the Moravians were different. The differences between them, the brotherly agreements usually lasted around 21 years. The people who agreed with these land grants must attend church. They must attend a Moravian church. They must become members of the Moravian community. They must not gossip. There is no courting or dating allowed. No dancing. No intoxication. Marriage is controlled. Someone wishing to get married would approach a church leader and it would be brought before the church. The church would have the final word on this. It would either be yes or no or no answer. Um, if it was issued as a no answer, then the couple was not married. If they lived within the settlement, inside of a settlement, such as Bethania, Bethabra, Freeburg, and Friedland, they were told exactly where to live, where their house would be placed jobs could change at any time Um, you can find this uh, everywhere throughout the Moravian archives that you may be helping out at the bakery for a a period of time and then later you may be working with the wagon master or you may be um, working with a clock uh, maker or in the leather or in pottery When the land office closed in North Carolina this was it was at that time that the Moravians were really beginning to grant out their lands of the Wachovia tract prior to the land offices closing they weren't very popular and not very many people sought out to settle on the Wachovia tract and you can find documentations and resources for this just simply by going through the deeds and and tracing the land back the Moravians since they were not soliciting um uh, or being very um trying to find the right word here they were not successful with the land grants so far until the land offices closed they began seeking other sources and one of these sources was dealing with huge quantities of furs. They were actually taking these furs in from settlers who lived around the Yakin River, the Catawba River, the Dan River, Abbotts Creek area, Deep River, of other waterways of other settlers who lived off of the Wachovia Track. They were taking in and buying and purchasing these furs from these settlers. They, in turn, would load up these furs into huge uh, wagons and they would transport them down one of the roads that they petitioned in 1754, which is the Cape Fear Road, and led to Fayetteville, North Carolina. They sold these furs in Fayetteville at a huge, astounding profit. It was amazing. There were a vast amount of differences between the Moravians and other denominations that were located in the back country of North Carolina during this time period. When the when independence was gained and, and the American Revolutionary War had ended, and the quantity of land dwindled in North Carolina the Moravians were beginning to see the effect of some of their actions. And when I say that, I mean they see they begin to see a decline of their faithful members. There were many families who resided outside of the Moravian settlements who held a strong opinion about them. They proclaimed that they played both sides of the fence. They, re, they refused to choose a side during the American Revolutionary War. And this action created a lot of questions about them and about their actions and how they acted, how they conducted business, and about their land. The truth is what we all yearn for. Not the portions or small remnants of the truth, but the whole truth is what we all yearn for. The Moravians' control over the people soon came to a point where it had to have some type of change, and the settle. If it had not have come, if it did not get to that point, and if the Moravians had refused to change some of the marriages rules, um, the way some of the Moravians were allowed to dress. the way some of them were allowed to conduct their business, if some of these rules had not been changed, then it could have resulted in a a disaster and a complete failure of these early settlements, similar to the way it was in Georgia and what occurred there during the 1740s. Now, there were many members who continued to remain members even though they left their Moravian lands. And one of these, is a, a prime example, is Joseph Kerner, who left his Moravian community and he purchased land outside of the Wachovia tract in what would later become Kernersville, North Carolina in Forsyth County. He continued to travel the miles back and forth in order to attend the his Moravian church services. In other words, he was an active Member of the church until his death, even years later, a Moravian church was established on his original land tract, proving that him and his family remained loyal to the church and the Moravian faith. Now, there were other Moravian members who became bitter either due to the business actions, or the land actions, or the marriage actions, and they left the church altogether while there were still others who sought to have the lands confiscated from the Moravians, claiming they were owned by a British subject. And in reality, in the beginning days, they were. But over time, the owners' names had changed on these lands And they were no longer British subjects by the time the Confiscation Act came into play after the American Revolutionary War. Other settlers who resided along the Wachovia tribe ended up suing the Moravians over land disputes. And you can find many of these land disputes just all throughout court records. One of the most fascinating um, accounts of this was held within the court's county courts. In a controversy over land dispute and it was held until a final decision was finally made during the 1840s long after these original members of these early settlement of Bethabra, long after their death was this finally settled the Moravians leave little doubt that they profited by the leasing of their lands and this allowed some jealousy and some other feelings to affect the reputation of the wachovia lands and the people many settlers refused to even purchase or trade with them just because of these feelings and you can find documentations of this as well um, through store ledgers and one primary example is alexander's store in mecklenburg county and how popular that store was and how many miles people would travel just to deal and trade and purchase items from Alexander's store. Gottlieb Kramer is one of my ancestors. He is the actual son of Adam Kramer, who was held in very high regards in the Moravian communities in North Carolina. Gottlieb Kramer was also a wagon master, he had traveled the Cape Fear Road for many years. He would um, embark on the adventure of carrying the furs for sale in Fayetteville. And he would be responsible for transporting the supplies back that were purchased in Fayetteville back to the Moravian settlements. He also would stop along the way um, several block houses that were storage houses for a lot of these goods. Um... But he ultimately left the church completely after his father's death. Many, uh, Gottlieb Kramer ended up moving away from the um, Moravian settlement. He did not attend church any longer. He was no longer a Moravian member. Um, And he continued to live his life in uh, present-day Stokes County, North Carolina, until his death many families witnessed their children no longer remaining faithful to the church and this forced the church leaders to react not only with their business transactions their control over the people but also during with their land transactions as well as some of these now were becoming due and had run out their agreement contract by the time winston became a community during the early 20th century the salem settlement comprised out of Bethabra, was consisted of just a few houses and just a few small businesses it was a very small community It had changed quite a bit from its earlier years when the streets were just packed with people and all types of events going on. It comes down to this. Power and control and politics don't always mix together. And oftentimes they don't always balance out. And many times they just simply do not work at all. I have the utmost respect for the Moravian records, the Moravians' history, and the Moravian settlements. Many of these first Moravian settlers are my ancestors, and it is for them today that I dedicate this show. I want to leave you today with this question. Did the Moravians achieve success? I believe they did. I believe that some of the actions that the Moravians portrayed through the years, in their early years of settlement, deserve more questions and deserve more research. I feel that there are a lot more discoveries to be made about the Moravians' early settlements in North Carolina. And I urge each and every one of you listening today to seek out these records and learn more about them. I want to thank you all for joining me today and I wish you well on your journey to the past and may God bless.